Welcome to the HR Happy Hour Show with Steve and Trish. Trish, I know you are a well-traveled person. You have visited many uh, locales, domains, countries, yeah. etc. But Trish, what one place, city, country, site, landmark, what's one that's out there you still want to visit, but you have not had the chance to as yet? That's an excellent question. There are so many. I think the first one that popped into my mind, though, is Iceland. I... A few years ago, there was like the wow airlines that was flying to Iceland and all my friends were going to Iceland and I never made it. And I think that's just been intriguing. People say it's beautiful. Everything is actually so green and they're, you know, just hot springs and things like that to do. So lots of outdoor activities. Iceland. Iceland. That's a good choice. Yeah. Iceland, I think is back open to us travelers with vaccinations. I believe that I is should true. go then. Yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely on my list someday. That's my someday trip. What about you? Good choice. I'm, you know, I've been to this country just through the airport a number of times, but I'm gonna go with Germany, Trish, with my newfound appreciation mm. this year for German soccer, Bundesliga. I spent a lot of time yeah. watching German soccer this year. I want to <laughs> go to Germany and see a soccer game. That's on my list for for next season. That's my my next one, I think. Which uh, should I feel be like that's cool. achievable. I think it's right? achievable. They did cancel Oktoberfest though, like the traditional Oktoberfest celebrations in, in usually right. in Bavaria, Munich there. Yeah. So maybe I have to wait one more year if I want to, I want to get that little participation uh, that too. Yeah. That you cool probably want to do the whole thing, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. All right, good stuff. We well, will ask good. our guests that question as well. We're talking benefits today, Trish. We're going to talk about uh, the recent survey that came out from our friends at Benefit Focus on the state of employee benefits. Uh, Misty Gwynn will join us in one second to talk about that. But before we welcome her to the show, Trish, uh, let's thank our friends at Paychex. Yeah, we definitely want to thank uh, our friends at Paychex for sponsoring this episode and all of the episodes of the HR Happy Hour. They are one of the leading providers of HR, payroll, retirement, and insurance solutions for businesses of all sizes. More than half of business owners with 10 to 500 employees say the availability of the COVID-19 vaccine is causing them to start or start planning their return to the workplace. And as anyone who's been listening to the show might know, Paychex has a really great COVID-19 resource portal that you can go and get information. And they have now added to that with their information about return to the workplace. So if you're thinking about instituting a vaccination policy, you can download their latest ebook, called Managing COVID-19 Vaccinations and the Return to Work to learn about key considerations for developing your policy, as well as important health and safety measures for establishing a safe and productive return to work. Just go to payx.me slash ebook dash vaccines to download your copy today. Awesome. Great stuff. Thank you to our friends at Paychex. So let's welcome our guest, Trish. Misty Gwynn is the Director of Customer Advocacy at Benefit Focus and has been with the company for almost four years. She previously served as the Director of Benefits and Wellness, where she worked closely with suppliers, medical carriers, and broker partners to create and manage innovative health plan designs for employees and mitigate rising costs in healthcare. She is a self-proclaimed data nerd who loves employee benefit design, communication strategies, and creative well-being engagement programs. Misty's passionate about the power of knowledge and technology to help people lead happier, healthier lives by embracing all pillars of well-being in physical, mental, and emotional, financial, social, and purpose. Misty, welcome to the HR Happy Hour Show. How are you today? Hi, guys. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. 
Awesome to have you. Before we start digging into the state of employee benefits, which I'm excited for, I love benefits. Like I am a benefits nerd. Um, and I also love the chance to tell my open enrollment story uh, one more time again. But uh, uh, Misty, do you have a thought on the question of the day? Where's one place on your list you'd love to see? Yeah, I, I guess I would have to choose um, Scotland. Uh, I'm a huge, I've been listening uh, as I've been repainting a house we just moved into uh, to Outlander the series, those books. And so I'm actually based in North Carolina where the books kind of end up going from Scotland to North Carolina. Um, so I would say that is on the books, but I have to agree with you too with Germany. And since this is happy hour, one fun fact with the Oktoberfest, you know, they actually moved it up to where it's held in September because so many yeah, people were passing out in the fields after drinking and freezing to death. So they actually moved the entire oh festival to now be earlier in the year while it's still warm. So that's like that. some serious commitment to celebrate. Yeah, thank you, Misty. Cause I wondered why it's still, it's Oktoberfest when I it's always that. in September. I, I did notice mm -hmm. it was in September. I never knew why. Oh, that's a good, good fun fact. I love that it. is a good fact. I feel like that's going to come up on a trivia contest sometime somewhere. And we're going to be like, nailed it. Got it. There you go. My job is done. Nice. <laughs> good work. Well, great to have you, Misty. I think first off, Let's talk a little bit about the state of employee benefits report, kind of uh, some of the methodology behind it, why it's kind of, uh, I don't know, different. Maybe it's not really people's mm -hmm. opinion, right? It's actually kind of the evidence that you're got, you guys are pulling from, from millions of, of benefit decisions. I, I'd love for you to give us a little context on the report. Yeah, so the state of employee benefits, um, it really is a benchmarking report based on, as you mentioned, actual benefits data and and behaviors, like it's the real stuff. Uh, not to say that surveys are not, but you know, instead of a survey of maybe asking what people are thinking of doing with their benefits, um, this really looks at the real enrollment data from over three and a half million individuals in our platform uh, and what elections they're making, what um, options their employers are doing. So in this report, we looked over four open enrollment periods of those trends. And it included around 343 large employers and all five generations in this wonderful multi-generational workforce that we have. Uh, and it's really driven by our fabulous um, benefit-focused data science specialists that really pull all of this massive data together and make it make a little more sense to us. I was just going to say, I, you mentioned, I'm, I'm making notes as you're talking, um, you know, I know we're going to dive into a lot of this. The one thing that just like immediately piqued my interest was like thinking about benefits planning and open enrollment for the various generations. You know, I don't know that I've even read that much lately about that. So hopefully we can dive in a little bit more as we, as we dig in on, you know, what you're seeing with regard to, to that angle. Cause I haven't heard that in a while. That's definitely a new one for me. Definitely. One of my favorite topics. So Misty, uh, top line, right? When, when you companies produce research like this, based on, like you said, three and a half million enrollments over the last four years, what are a couple of the maybe headline findings that you uh, you guys pulled from all this data? Uh, the, the big ones that I found, because we've got such great data that we're showing in here, it was a, almost a little equation that I um, put together of what we're seeing is the power of choice. So employers are expanding their benefit offerings to really address those diverse needs, plus the growth and adoption. So it's not just employers offering options. We're actually seeing employees opt in and participate actively in their benefits. And then that really gives us that ultimate goal that we want to achieve within the benefits industry, which is a smarter healthcare consumer. 
And so we've been working towards that, uh, I would say for many years, uh, it's really one of the top objectives and goals that we'll see uh, throughout the industry and, and all players in the benefits ecosystem. But to see now the actual real behaviors and trends are supporting that shift to better and smarter healthcare consumerism really is exciting. So you mentioned um, a couple really interesting things there. When, you, when you're talking about growth of adoption, can you maybe talk a little bit about maybe some of what were some of the barriers to adoption that might, might be changing? Like what's changing? Is it because of technology? Is it because of better communication? Like what are you kind of, as you dig into that hearing is the reason behind why people are, are adopting things more readily? Well, I think um, one of the biggest things that we're seeing as employers are embracing, we always have the saying of one size doesn't fit all. I think it's in multiple industries that we say it and benefits a lot. But actually, it's even the individual size changes throughout the year, like the different moments that matter and life's milestones. And so now that employers are really embracing that philosophy and seeing that benefits are shifting from being just a transactional experience, that maybe you log in once a year and make some decisions or maybe just keep kind of put it on autopilot, as some of us are guilty of doing, have said it and forget it. Uh, you know, it's now transitioning to being a strategic relationship experience. And I feel the, this past year of 2020 really um, kind of hit home that we need to be prepared for the unexpected and dig in and ask questions. Uh, and so I think that adoption has been employees really looking to their employer to support them in all areas of total well-being. Uh, employers can no longer kind of get a gold star for just saying we offer health insurance. It's what type of health insurance, what options you know, are you offering me? What supplemental voluntary benefits are you putting in there? But going back to your point, Trisha, that multi-generational, uh, some of the things that I um, are, or that we are seeing in this report really is the generational uh, differences in adoption. So millennials, um, which are our largest segment right now, they've had the highest adoption of what we call HDHP, so these high deductible health plans, um, over all four years. And so that plan um, definitely is the trademark of a smart healthcare consumer is enrolling in those plans. And so I think the generational um, that we're now seeing with the millennials adopting that, but then these Gen Zers that we love, um, I have two teen boys in my house, but they are really uh, have a keen eye to their benefits because they're coming off of their parents. But one thing about kind of Gen Z um, is that they've grown up in this age of rapid innovation. And so they are more likely to adopt the next best platform that comes along. So they're not just maybe going along with what their parents were enrolled in. They're actually looking at those options and they grew up in, in innovation, but they've also grown up in a recession and also now a, a pandemic. So they tend to be more pragmatic and looking at long-term investments. So they're starting to look at these better consumer-directed health plans and then the adoption of supplementing that with um, HSA, a health savings account, and some of those voluntary benefits that really kind of protect you in all areas. Yeah, so it does wow. seem like as the workforce kind of turns over, right, which it inevitably does, right, the, um, the suite or the slate of benefits offerings that organizations really be, should be considering or should be offering needs to adapt as well, then I think is what kind of you're saying, Missy, right, you can't just roll out mm -hmm. 
the plans that worked in 1997 or the structure of your benefit program that, that might have worked 10 or 15 or 20 years ago when there's a new generation of people who are much more open and willing to adopt new approaches uh, to uh, how their benefits work. Yes, and they're, they're not afraid to ask questions um, and to let you know what they expect. Uh, so that's these younger generations definitely. And I think from our report, you know, we saw nearly three quarters of large employers are now offering a combination of a, an HDHP and a PPO. Um, you know, more than two thirds are offering some of those, what we call like income protection plans, like an accident or critical illness, those plans that can really give you that financial safety net. Uh, so I think that's where we're, again, like you're saying, you got to keep up uh, with the competition because we'll eventually get back to our kind of world talent um, and really fighting to get uh, the talent and retain it as well. And benefits plays a big part in that. Yeah, I think you're right. I'm glad you, you said it that way because one of the things I was always most surprised about when I was administering benefits was the number of employees that seemed to not understand what a value that was to their overall compensation and what role that played. And you're right, definitely about the millennials and, and I have teenagers as well. They're much more attuned to thinking about benefits as part of that compensation. And I don't know if that's because I was thinking like, is that because they've heard me say it over the years or, but it could be they're getting it from television or, you know, just advertising benefits and, and different types of supplemental benefits are certainly, I guess, just more visible with technology. So yeah, I, I'm definitely seeing that. So are you hearing that there's like anything being done, maybe even at the college level as people are starting to enter the workforce? Do they talk about that yet? Or is it really they're kind of getting these feelings about what to decide to choose once they're at an employer? Where does that line kind of go with information? Uh, I think that's a great point because we are starting to see, um, I would say it starts with financial literacy. Uh, one of the things mm -hmm. I'm really passionate about is kind of health literacy, benefit literacy, but it really that foundational piece is financial literacy. And we are starting to see more of that. I would say even with my middle school, like I noticed on his math assignment, it said financial literacy and it was teaching them certain things about saving and budgeting. So I think that mindset is where benefits really can benefit uh, from people being more financially savvy because they start to crunch the numbers. Because that's the one thing we always try and get people to do is if you take a look at crunching the numbers, the savings will come out in the end, um, especially with some of these high deductible health plans. And as we started looking at this report, one of the reasons you know, we say that it's showing smarter healthcare consumers because if I, if we just saw people enrolling in an HDHP plan, like right when it was available to them, but they weren't investing in HSA or they weren't looking at voluntary benefits, then I would make the assumption they're just enrolling in that plan because it has a cheaper premium price tag. They don't plan on using their benefits. They're going to have it as what we used to deem it as a catastrophic plan. Like right. it's the cheapest plan. It has a high deductible. You only use it if something really bad happens. Well, now that shift has happened where you can have a high deductible health plan and still get your preventive care. You can invest in an HSA. And so I think that piece is what's really speaking to people that are coming hopefully out of the college um, area, looking at long-term investments. Uh, Cause I mean, you might have student loans that you're looking at. So that bi-weekly premium, um, you know, that budgeting effort comes into play. Uh, and you can start investing. And, and I think one of the things too with 
this younger generation to coming out of college or these Gen Zers is that their brand loyalty is not very strong. Like again, like they're used to kind of going to the next best thing. And with HSAs, that goes with you wherever you go. So it's again, something that they can invest in and own. They don't lose that once they leave that employer. Um, Because I think the days of like starting with the employer right out of college and retiring from that is long, long gone. (laughs) Oh yeah, Missy, we we could do a whole separate hour long (laughs) show on like uh, health insurance portability across employers. uh, Because I'll just go crazy on that, honestly, because I'm enraged by the whole thing. But, uh, you know, it's so complex. So um, it's a very, very important for employers, especially with these newer entrants into the workforce to help them understand their choices, understand the implications of the decisions. As you said, Missy, people might choose that HDHP, right? Because, oh, lowest premium, good to go. I'll take that. That might be the right decision for an individual. Might be, might not be, right? Mm-hmm. And, and tools that can help them. I know you guys provide them, but just even the employer providing that kind of communication to help them direct them to those right decision support tools to help them make the best decision is super important because I've been around this stuff a long time, Trish has as well. I still find it difficult to understand right? There's a lot of mm-hmm. acronyms. There's a lot of rules. Mm-hmm. There's tax rules, tax implications, all that. If you're 23 years old, getting your first real job, right? And, and facing, sitting down during your onboarding process and, and trying to understand this, that I think mm-hmm. that's kind of daunting. It can be, certainly. Definitely. When I always make the joke that we practice benefits because you can never truly, I, I feel, say I'm a benefits expert. Because as soon as you think you've gotten something down, they're going to change. Like there's going to be something big, like ACA, you know, happens, you know, on the Hill or a global pandemic, like you always have to stay with the industry and, and looking at certain trends and data and benefit reports and really having that at your fingertips because things will change so much. Uh, you, you've got to stay up to speed with that. And I think, as you mentioned, Trish, kind of coming out of that college area, they are used to having those tools at their fingertips or let's say in the palm of their hand on their smartphone. Uh, and being able to access, you know, in the age of um, Netflix telling me what movies I would like because I watched a few others, you know, that mm-hmm. whole preferences, they're expecting that same experience from their benefits of I should be able through artificial intelligence, you tell me by answering a few questions what the best plan is for me. And so that's where I think we really pride ourselves on helping to simplify the complex and benefits, not just for consumers, but also for employers, because things are always changing for us as well and needing to stay up to speed with it. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. I think too, it's, it's interesting as you're talking about that. I'm like nodding my head because I'm thinking you're exactly right. I'm thinking back though, like, you know, I'm Gen X when I started into the workforce, it was sort of that you're both like, yes. Um, no, that's, you know, not only was compensation something that we were kind of discouraged from talking about, like you didn't talk about money, Um, you didn't talk about benefits and to get the information about benefits, you would have to go to HR most likely. And to go ask some adult, I'm putting adult in quotes, like, you know, someone much older than me about something I knew nothing about and the fear of looking stupid, probably I I would have just honestly, at that point, signed up for whatever was in front of me. I probably wouldn't have put that much thought into it. So I think it's great. And, And I think too, I would challenge maybe if you are a Gen Xer, or, um, you know, even, even older, if, if you're still a boomer in the workforce, right? Like it's a good time for us to reevaluate our benefits because we might've just been kind of rolling with whatever we've had for a long time and not changing it to, 
you know, how you're talking about the foundation being the, the financial literacy, right? It's for us too, right? For anybody in the workforce to really reevaluate the financial aspect of benefits and how your own, you know, medical health is changing and your, your mental health is changing and all those things. So I think it's so important. It makes it easier for all of us, really. I just think, I don't know, maybe our generation is like less likely to go out there and seek out those changes, but we should, we should do what the, what those people entering the workforce are doing. I think, do you find that, I don't know, is you, I'm, it, this is just my theory, but like, are you seeing that with your customers, are you finding that the other generations are also like really embracing some of these kind of reevaluations of what they're using, what they're taking advantage of and what they're spending their money on? We are, um, and, I, and I'm glad you brought that up because we, we talk about like our millennials and our Gen Zers like really jumping on the bandwagon with our HCHPs and HSAs. But to be honest with you, like this report show that all generations, you know, even our boomers, even some of the traditionalists that are still you know, hanging in there in the workforce are starting to make that shift um, and maybe maximize their HSA. I think we saw that from the report, 90% of people in an HDHP were invested in HSA, which is huge to, to see that that concept is, again, not just the cheap premium, but they're wanting to invest. I think it's from some of those you know, stories that you hear about of bankruptcy due to medical bills or like post-retirement, um, knowing that retiree benefits is, is also kind of going by the wayside. HSAs are kind of being seen as a retirement healthcare account. Um, that I think they say the average spend on your healthcare post-retirement is like $250,000. Um, and so people are saying like, I need to start saving for that now uh, and, and taking advantage of that. Uh, so I think we are seeing that people are taking a look at their benefit plans. Um, I'm a huge uh cheerleader for um, active enrollments to kind of prevent that autopilot from happening. Uh, but it's a great time too, to get in there and let them know about all the other things that are available to them. Because I think some of the trends that we also saw with the growth and adoption was around like our voluntary benefits. Um, and so, as I mentioned, the ones earlier with the medical, like those financial safety nets of like accident, critical, critical illness and hospital indemnity, especially after a, a year of pandemic where people were experiencing hospital stays and had not planned for it. We're starting to see a huge increase in some of those, what we call lifestyle benefits. Um, so we saw a 19% increase in identity theft protection. And I think now we all know with this huge shift to working from home, holiday shopping was all online this past year, you know, communicating with family, fraud was, was hot. So it was encouraging for us to see that employees, that employers were offering it, but employees were taking it up, um, as well as some of the things like pet insurance. You know, that was another, mm -hmm. I guess, silver lining from pandemic. <laughs> we have two pandemic puppies ourselves, um, <laughs> but you know, pet insurance increased, but we, cause we saw more pet adoptions happening. And I think one of the ones that really, that a lot of people don't know a lot about, um, and I think it's a fun little question to ask people. You can tell I'm fun at parties when I'm asking you, hey, did you know what legal, <laughs> did you know what voluntary legal insurance is about? But many people don't realize that an employer can offer these benefits um, and it doesn't cost the employer anything. These are employee paid, but employees are adopting them. But legal insurance for a low monthly fee, like you can get access to legal assistance, lawyers, like if you are refinancing your house, which a lot of people did this past year, buying and selling a home, 
trying to set up your estate or elder care for your parents. There's so many of those great lifestyle things that we're seeing every generation take advantage of. Um, and honestly, as employers, I think we are carrying that, some might call it a burden, some might call it an opportunity to really step up for our employees and offer them opportunity to care for themselves and their families in those areas. Yeah, that's one of the things, Misty, that uh, we see in the report and, and the State of Employee Benefits Report, the, the uptick in a, quite a number of these voluntary or supplemental benefit programs. Like I remember myself years ago, I was at an employer that offered that one of those legal um, plan, legal insurance participation plans. And I definitely used it like a couple of times. And it was, mm-hmm. it was awesome. Like it was such a great benefit and it saved like me so much money wh- whether I had been engaging with a lawyer just on the private sector. So it, yeah, and I think communicating the value or the potential value of some of these supplemental or voluntary offerings is another, it's important for HR and benefit uh, folks to, to do that. Because I know like sometimes you just throw out, oh, pet insurance or legal mm-hmm. insurance or whatever, and you don't think that much of it, primarily because it's not really costing the employer all that much, but uh, really selling the value, I think becomes a really important thing for HR and, and benefits folks, because uh, yeah, these can really come in handy, uh, uh, definitely. Misty, here's where I want to go next. I know you've looked at the data. You've done four years, like four years worth of data, all these enrollments, three and a half million kind of uh, employee enrollments over four years. Uh, we see some of the trends, as you said, moving more towards the high deductible uh, health plans, uptake in, in voluntary and supplemental benefits we're seeing across the board. Uh, what does it suggest moving forward, especially post pandemic? Like what are some of the things employers should be considering should they, be, should they be considering making more changes? What, what, what's this your sense of whether it's from the data or just from your experience working with customers around uh, helping them architect the right benefit programs for, for their organizations? What do you think might be uh, on the horizon, right, for benefits programs? Yeah, I think, um, well, of course, all of us are wanting to like keep our focus of looking ahead after <laughs> the past year we've had um, with 2020. And yeah, I go back to you know being in benefits during that time and saying like we weren't able to predict the impact. Like there was so much uncertainty. We didn't know what this was going to cost, and then we had deferred care. Like, well, it didn't cost as much as we thought in 2020, but when is that shoe going to fall and we're going to hit? So I think there was just a lot of uncertainty that we're still kind of in because we we can't really predict the impact, but then we're also trying to predict the recovery. From it, um, you know, with some of those terms like COVID long haulers and things coming out of like, how can we really start moving forward and supporting our employees? And I think one of the biggest things would just be, um, as I mentioned, being a data nerd, having visibility into your healthcare claims is going to be, I mean, a necessity to identify and mitigate, not just cost drivers, because of course, that's one thing that all of our CFOs love to hear say, yes, we want to mitigate healthcare costs, but we also want to make sure at the same time, we're balancing that with supporting and fostering a healthier workforce. Uh, and so we've got to be able to monitor that and be agile with changing. If we're seeing mid-year that we need to uh, change a benefit plan or we need to add in another voluntary benefit, we need to have that, again, data-driven approach but also have the agility to be able to launch something, communicate it to employees and let them know that it's there. So I think that you've got to have that visibility and then the agility to have that flexible and diverse benefits. As I mentioned, this huge multi-generational workforce, um, we all kind of have this universal moment that matter to us with the pandemic. 
but really what that did is just highlighted really the areas that we need to partner together on as employers and employees. Like we found employees were looking more to their employers than they were their healthcare provider, than the government, than their, like all of these different things. They look to employers to tell them what they should do and how they should protect themselves. Um, so that's a great opportunity for us to step up and my thing, as I mentioned, I love active open enrollment, but I also want to promote that looking ahead, we've got to improve our employees' engagement throughout the year with their benefits. We don't want the autopilot. Uh, we want people to be getting their preventive care. Um, we want people to be asking the questions and investing in their HSAs. And so I think it's really getting creative through some maybe innovative communications to cultivate smarter healthcare consumers uh, through some of like the decision support tools, um, mobile applications that can help uh, provide second opinions because we have to have that partnership um, in this new world of work. Uh, it's not kind of like you get what you get, don't pitch a fit anymore. We know the younger, gen as, as we are Gen Xers, we know the younger generations, they've never really heard that saying. Uh, and so <laughs> they are expecting a lot more from us. And we really, again, it's not survival of the fittest. It's going to be survival of the most strategic um, when it comes down to it. I love that. Thank you for all those examples. As a follow-up to Steve's question, I guess my question would be, so if you're in human resources or you're a benefits you know, administrator, coordinator, strategist, and some in some form in your company, you might be on board with these, these sort of you know, future-looking things like flexibility, visibility, agility, that sort of thing. If you are working somewhere though, where you are the person who is charged with sort of convincing your CFO, convincing your CEO to do something different, right? Because this could be very different from a traditional benefits approach that they might be used to. Do you have any advice for that HR or benefits practitioner who needs to go have those conversations? Like, are there resources they can be looking for? or information that will help them have those conversations? I mean, obviously the report is a good starting point. Mm -hmm. What else do you tell people that might be in that situation needing to convince other C-suite members to kind of change their approach to benefits? Yeah, no, I think that's a great question. Um, so of course I would say like this report, because one of the things that I know I'm always asked by a C-suite to is benchmarking. I think from a CFO um, perspective, and they might get the bad rap of being numbers focused, but you know, numbers don't lie uh, in that sense. And so I think being able to show the, the data-driven approach to benefits design of why you're offering an HSA with an employer contribution, and yes, that's an upfront investment, but how that can actually save in the long run on your um, overall healthcare claims, because it will drive more people to adopting that plan. So I think that's it's part of looking at what we have, like plan modeling. Uh, so I think they love to plug numbers and plug and play. So anytime that you can create some type of model where you can show if we migrate 20% of our population to this high deductible health plan, that protects us this much more and it provides an opportunity for them to save and invest elsewhere. So I think that's really my advice with that is to look at the different plan designs and how can you provide some of those models and scenarios of savings overall. But I think from kind of the CEO, the benchmarking comes into play of wanting to be competitive in the market. So I think I, I look at our reports um, and other benchmarking to see, you know, how do we compare to others in our industry? What are other people doing uh, 
What are other large employers doing if I'm in retail or if I'm in manufacturing? Because again, it's not a one size fits all. There's no cookie cutter. Um, you've got to make sure that if someone else is offering this wide variety of benefits, even if they're, again, employee paid ones like the voluntary ones we, we talked about, it's still going to have that perceived value. So I always like to present, here's what people, competitors in our industry are offering, and here's where we need to up our game um, to really outshine them. Because that's, that's a little bit what benefits can be used for. It's not a checkbox anymore. It really can become part of your um, business's strategic drivers, and it should uh, for, for the most part, because HR is definitely making that shift from just being, as we mentioned earlier, a transactional participant in their companies to being a strategic partner at that table. Um, and, and healthcare spend is like usually number two behind payroll and different mm -hmm. things. It's an important thing to, that you need to pay attention to. So, yeah, Misty, that's a great, that's a great kind of way to wrap the conversation, I think. And just two quick points for me. We didn't, you mentioned costs a little bit. We didn't even talk about costs. There's a big section in the report that gets into employer versus employee contributions and the trends we've seen or benefit focused data has shown over the last four years. And that I'd encourage folks to take a look at that. It's pretty interesting, actually. Uh, there's a lot of really good stuff in the report. This is the uh, State of Employee Benefits 2021 report from Benefit Focus. We've been talking to Misty Gwynn, the customer Director of Customer Advocacy at Benefit Focus, all around benefits and, and, and what the data is showing us and how benefits can be used really much more strategically. I'd encourage everybody to check out the report as you're starting to plan for the fall and for your own open enrollment and and uh, three and a half million data points, as we said, and uh, uh, really, really interesting data and a super report. And uh, Misty, thanks for taking some time to join us today to talk about it. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, our plan, I'm super geeky benefits person here for sure. I won't tell my boat benefits open enrollment story for the 19th time on the show, Trish. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, we'll share a link to folks who can download the report uh, from the Benefit Focus site as well. And uh, I do want to thank Misty once again. And thank us, thanks our friends at Paychex, Trish, of course, for all their, uh, their help and support. You did a great work break show as we uh, record this yesterday with our friends from Paychex. I hope you had fun doing that. It was really fun. We had a great time talking about a little bit of work, tiny, tiny bit, a little bit of work and a lot of fun. So Awesome. Well, okay. So thanks again, uh, Misty. Thanks, Trish McFarland. My name is Steve Bose. Thank you so much for listening to the HR Happy Hour Show. We will see you next time. And bye for now.